morning to those who are at home, wrapped up in their nice warm pyjamas. It's getting colder, isn't it? Winter's coming. Did you see the game on Sun Wednesday night? I didn't. Who cares? Apparently we won. But as I was being... Rem Thank you, Peter. That's excellent. Peter's wearing blue. Peter comes with his wife, comes to our prayer meeting on a Saturday morning and occasionally, sometimes accidentally, sometimes deliberately, they turn up wearing Broncos or Queensland stuff and I don't let them into the prayer meeting. <laughs> God doesn't hear the prayers of the wicked. And as John reminded me this morning, he said, oh well, you won. I said, yeah, but you guys won the series. He said, yeah, again. <laughs> Didn't have to say again. It's good to have fun together, isn't it? And yesterday we celebrated uh, Tracy Cotton's 60th birthday. Some of you would have been there. It was a lovely time. And she's not here this morning, obviously still recovering. <laughs> Thank you to those who put all of that together who worked very selflessly behind the scenes. We enjoyed a magnificent time together because others were serving us. That's what we're going to talk about today. God wants us to be serving one another. So as I said a few weeks ago, we finished the school holidays, we finished looking at some gospel passages, talking about the Lord Jesus, and we are going to be returning to conclude our series on the Holy Spirit and we're going to spend a couple of weeks on that. Today, spiritual gifts. And next Sunday morning, Pastor Charlie, who will be back tomorrow. Yay. I'm happy. Um, because he's preaching next Sunday. He doesn't know that. Or he might if he's watching. Um, and he'll do uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then we'll determine if we're finished or not. And then we're going to go in one of two directions. We're either going to do a series on a Bible character called Joseph out of Genesis, the Old Testament, or we're going to do something on um, the power of presence. And we might end up doing both of those. We'll wait and see. Reminding you that our theme this year, our focus this year, is that we are his chosen instruments for him to take and use us in whatever situation, circumstance we find ourselves, whether in families or neighbourhoods or at work, um, that God wants to work in us as well as work through us to achieve his purposes. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. You can see the heading spiritual gifts. Um, let me pray and then let's jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be together. Thank you for your great love for us. And Lord, like in the words of the song we sang, we not only want to think and believe the truth in our heads, but we want our feelings to catch up. We want to feel your presence, your indwelling, your reality. So I ask that you would draw near to us this morning and us to draw near to you. That Lord, we'll open our ears, we'll listen. But you, could you help us to understand? Could you teach us? Could you show us your truth and your will for each one of us as we follow Jesus? We ask and pray this in his name. And everyone said, Amen. A long time ago, I gave you a sentence on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is with us to help us. And he gives each of us a spiritual gift. Why? To serve one another. The Holy Spirit is with us to help us. 
And one of the ways that he helps us is he gives us a spiritual gift. When we are born again, we are given a spiritual gift, and it could be multiple spiritual gifts, and more than likely is, in order that we can serve others. He is with us, equips us, empowers us to serve others. That's what he wants to do. You ever heard of the thing called the space shuttle? Of course you have. Apparently it took 4.5 million, it's American, pounds of power was needed to get that thing off the ground. 4.5 million pounds of power. And it took, uh, sorry, it weighed that much. And it took 7 million pounds of thrust to push it upward. That's a lot of power, isn't it? How much power would it take to create a universe? How much power would it take to control a galaxy? How much power would it take to oversee this planet? exactly like me so that just as Jesus helped his disciples when he was here so the Holy Spirit is helping us we need to get that into our heads and into our hearts and tell each other every day I have a helper I have a helper I have a helper I don't need to do this by myself I have a helper helper implies that he is a spiritual save us. He works in our lives to save us, to convict us of sin and to draw us to Jesus. 
And as we accept Jesus, he is not only with us, he is now in us. And that's with a view to sanctifying us, making us holy, making us more like the Lord Jesus. He's working on that all the time. He never stops. That's why stuff happens in your life. Sometimes it's him trying to get your attention. Sometimes it's him testing you. Sometimes it's him stretching you, exposing you. But it's all with a view to us becoming like the Lord Jesus. Now, the scripture says to us, the Holy Spirit is not only with us, he is not only in us, but the book of Acts certainly talks about the Holy Spirit can come upon us. That's an empowerment. It's always coming upon for a purpose, to perform some function, to achieve some task. just up there and away and distant it's rather God we're made in his image and he is part of us our lives as we follow the Lord Jesus made in his image so he can indwell us we are like vessels that he can fill but that has led to I think and Norman Grubb makes this observation that has led to some people thinking if I have Christ in me and if I am filled with the Holy Spirit then I can be satisfied. Because we do emphasize it's all about a personal relationship, but sometimes we mistakenly think it's a personal and private relationship. It's not personal and private. It's personal and it's corporate. The Holy Spirit is in us and he baptized us into the body. And if you are drawing the conclusion or if your Christian experience is, I have Christ in me, I'm filled with the Spirit, therefore I'm satisfied. I'm fully content with where I am. Then I want to say to you this morning, then you are only splashing around in your own little tub of living water. God has something much deeper for you that he wants to do in you and especially through you. He is shaping you. So our greatest capacity, well, this is what the Lord Jesus says, the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep, within there is this dynamic sense of the holy spirit within working out and that's not just a theological statement that's also an experience something to be experienced flowing out overflowing not just vessels that contain but vessels that are overflowing channels through whom we need to be continually filled daily and daily overflowing ongoingly is that a word ongoingly tis now vessels that overflow is your life overflowing jesus said it whoever believes in me from deep within a spiritual dynamic at work in you relying on him who empowers and who enables this is what good background for us in this passage the new testament gives us i think eight lists of the new testament five of them are in corinthians you know, in the chapters 12, 13, and 14, there are about five different lists, if you look carefully at it. Then there's Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4. There are eight lists, and none of the lists are exhaustive, but they are dynamic. And the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians, who were uh, an interesting church, but a church that had lots of struggles, as you are aware. 
And one of the things they struggled about was um, spiritual gifts. And they struggled with it because they were misusing them. They misunderstood them. They thought spiritual gifts made me part of a spiritual elite. Translating it to our day still can be said incorrectly. But if I have the gift of tongues, then I am a notch above. Or if I have this gift, then I'm better than you. That never came to them. And that's why they accepted that no, they had something that was different to the Spirit. Now, Paul writes to them, they're about gifts of the Spirit. Charismatic. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know about this stuff. You need to know about it in order that you can uh, respond appropriately to it. There are things that we need to do, and we'll get to some of that in a moment. Paul writes to them, he says, I know that when you were pagans, Gentiles, when you were unbelievers, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Now, where the word dumb is being used there, it quite literally means that they are mute, they can't speak. But I think that's a very good translation. Led away to dumb idols, because idolatry is dumb. Therefore, I want you to know, Paul says, that no one who is speaking by the Spirit will say, Jesus be cursed. This is apparently what was happening in Corinth. People were standing up and uttering, Jesus be cursed. That's not coming from the Spirit of God, which is exactly what Paul goes on to say. Nor can anyone say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Paul doesn't mean that you just can't say the words. He means that you truly confess that Jesus is Lord. If a person confesses Jesus is Lord, God is at work in them. It's not a natural conclusion to draw. That's a spiritual conclusion, the result of God's Spirit working in us. Then he goes on to say, there are different kinds of gifts, but it's the same Spirit who distributes them. God is a God of variety. I mean, just look left and look right. We're all different, aren't we? Every blade of grass is different. Every grain of sand is different. Every snowflake is different. Every person is different. God loves variety, and he does it with the gifts. All of this variety comes from exactly the same God, from the same Spirit. And God wants all of this variety to fit together because he says in Revelation, doesn't he, that heaven's going to be composed of those from every tribe and from every language and from every nation, from every culture. God loves this variety that he has made. Different gifts used in different ways for different purposes, all from the infinite variety of the Holy Spirit. Well, how many gifts are there? Well, let me go on to this first. There are different kinds of service. Same Lord. Different gifts, the same Spirit. Different service, same Lord. Different workings or different activities, same God. That's a Trinitarian statement about the gifts and the service and the workings, the activities that we are involved in, all come, we each have it, and it's God at work in us. So if I ask this question, uh, well, note this. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is, is given for the common good. A gift, don't think of it as a gift wrapped up for you and given to you that you can take and you have and you hold it and it's yours. Don't think of it like that. Think of it rather as a manifestation of the Spirit. How does the Spirit work in you and through you? What are your strengths, abilities and spiritual gifts of how God works in you consistently? That's the contribution he wants you to be making to others in serving others. Our gifts manifest the Spirit in us. It's him working through us. And of course, he has all of the gifts and he gives us some of them. 
in our diversity. How many spiritual gifts are there? Nobody knows. In the New Testament, if you add up all of those eight lists, you'll come to it, depending on how you count and how you define them, you'll come to a list of anywhere from 20 to 27. And that's not exhaustive because there is no one of the eight lists listed in the New Testament that are exactly the same. There's a variation in all of the lists. Which leads Peter to categorising them in very simply as, if you have the gift of speaking, speak with the energy and the strength that God gives you. Speak God's truth to people. If you have a gift of serving, he puts all of the gifts in this area of serving, then serve with the energy and strength that God gives you. In order that, Peter goes on to say, in order that God might get the glory. Holy Spirit gives us gifts to serve one another in order that we might be edified and he is glorified. It's his way of tying us together, of being a family. Um, so God loves variety. Um, no two lists are the same. Which means, of course, the New Testament doesn't give us an exhaustive set of lists, which are, there are gifts that exist today that are not in the New Testament, if that makes sense. That, of course, follows. So... In our modern age of computer science and the digital world, it's, he could be equipping you and gifting you in those skills in that area. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift, out of this verse, tells us all of these are the work of one and the same spirit. He is the one who gives it to us. So a spiritual gift is something, it's an ability a special ability that the Spirit of God gives to us to achieve his purpose, his work in other people's lives as well as our own. Our gifts are not given for our own self-satisfaction alone. They are satisfying, they are pleasing. You do have a great deal of joy when you are like a sweet spot. Does that make sense? Like if, what will I use? Do you play tennis? You know, on the racket, there is a sweet spot. When you hit the ball in the sweet spot, it really flies off. Or a cricket bat, if you hit it in the sweet spot. I've run out of sporting analogies, that'll do. A sweet spot is when you are doing something that he has equipped, enabled, and that you enjoy doing. You have satisfaction in doing it. But it's not given for you to have that. It's given for you to serve others. And in the process of doing that, you find the satisfaction. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So as verse 6 says to us, the spiritual gifts he gives us is God working in us. It's the same God who is at work. Our mission statement, working with God in transforming people. It's God at work in us. It's the manifestation of the spirit. How does God, how does the spirit manifest his life, his presence in you and through you? How does he do that? Now, some of you might be drawing blanks of saying, I don't know. Well, I want to try and help you this morning to find out. Is it important that you need to be able to name what your spiritual gifts are? No, you don't have to. But it is helpful. Because if you know what your spiritual gifts are, then you know where God wants you to be working. And you can also then target growing and developing and using it more effectively. So here we go. How do I discover my spiritual gifts? Before I go on, let me make these two... Um, a couple of statements about what they are not and then a couple of warnings and then I want to jump into the practical thing of how do we discover the gifts. 
the gifts that are be distinguished from natural abilities. Natural abilities, we all have natural talents, different sorts and different amounts, but our natural talents are given to us when we are born. They come from the Creator. Every person has natural talents. Some people can play musical instruments. It's a natural talent. Some people can write. It's a natural talent. Some people can play sports. Some people are good at maths. And on and on and on and on and on. That's natural abilities. I'm not talking about those. But as a follower of the Lord Jesus, what you should do is submit your life to him and your natural talents and consecrate them to him to use. And sometimes... God will take your natural talents and impose on that the spiritual gift so that they combined. So that somebody like Joy, who's playing the piano, for instance, that can be both a natural talent, but it can also be a spiritual gift to the body. Doesn't always go that way. For instance, my teaching is not a natural talent. It's a spiritual gift. Even though I was trained to be a teacher in thingamajig, that unnamed state that can't be mentioned. Um, I am, you won't believe this, but the reality is I'm not an extrovert, I'm an introvert. And when I was growing up and going through school and you had to stand in front of people and speak, I couldn't do it. I couldn't stand in front of people. Now look at me. Oh, where did that come from? I had God at work in me, changing me, developing me. So... Um, I think I've explained that enough. It's not a natural talent. It's a special gift, a, uh, a spiritual ability that the Spirit of God gives you and uses you in that way. It's different to the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit, as you'll find out next week, is all about character. That's not about fruit. The fruit is always to be present and increasingly effective and growing in our lives. Um, it's determined by God. What we are to do is to identify our gift, receive it, embrace it, thank God for it, and use it. Polish it, sharpen it, and use it. There are problems with spiritual gifts. Let me give them to you quickly, and then I'm going to jump into discovering it. Some people use their gifts inappropriately to pretend to be more spiritual than others. As I said before, that's what they were doing in Corinth, and that's highly inappropriate. One gift is not more significant than another gift. <clears throat> Healing is not more important than speaking in tongues, is not more important than prophecy, is not more important than serving or hospitality or music or mercy or whatever all the gifts are. All of the gifts are equal because all of the gifts are the Holy Spirit working in us. That's all Him at work in us. And He's the God of variety. Another danger of spiritual gifts is gift project projection. Gift projection is where I have a spiritual gift. Let's say it's evangelism. Someone like Billy Graham certainly had that gift. I don't have the gift of evangelism. But someone like Billy Graham could go around saying, this is so easy to do. If I can do it, you can do it. Wrong. You can do it because you've got the spiritual gift. So it's not as easy for us. That doesn't remove us from the responsibility, which I'll come to. But in talking of giftedness, gift projection is where you assume that other people can do what you're doing because you think you're doing it, uh, you think it's easy because of the way the Spirit of God has worked it out in you. <clears throat> but if the Spirit doesn't want that in another person, then it won't happen. Gift excuses. We can use our spiritual gifts to, pardon me, I don't want to do that. 
You know, you sidestep your areas of responsibility. I don't have the gift of evangelism, therefore I don't have to evangelize. Yeah, you do. We're all obligated. We all have the responsibility, just some have a gift. I don't have to encourage or exhort or correct my brother or sister. I don't have that gift. No, but you have the responsibility. Some people do it effectively and very well. Others of us struggle with it. I don't have the gift of hospitality. It doesn't matter. Still got the obligation, the responsibility to do it. I don't have the gift of mercy, so I don't have to be merciful. I don't have the gift of giving, so I don't have to give. Gift excuses. Because you don't have the gift does not remove you from the responsibilities, the commands of the New Testament. All it does is that we all have the commands and God gifts us in some of the areas to encourage the body. So if you encountered somebody who has the gift of encouragement, for instance, or the gift of hospitality, if you're on the receiving end of that, you're blessed by that. And you think, wow, are they wonderful. But the reality is that's God in them is doing something wonderful. And the last thing you can do with your spiritual gifts is keep them to yourself, that you pander with them. Can you lose your spiritual gifts? No, I don't think so. But they can atrophy. They can remain undeveloped. They can remain juvenile or infant. They're not developed fully into what they could be. Okay. Well, then, how do I discover my gifts? Or, asking the same question, how do I discover how the Holy Spirit wants to work through me? Here are eight ways. It's a lot, isn't it? See how you go. Number one, pray. Ask. Lord, what's my gift? How will you shape me? How do you want me to be serving you? James says, you have not because you... So ask. And if you do ask, make sure you ask with the right motives. Lord, I want you to tell me what my spiritual gift is so that I can go around and boast and brag and... No, no, no. So that I can serve you, so I can glorify you, so I can serve others. So ask. But ask specifically, ask appropriately. Number two, educate yourself. Study. Read a bit. Study the scriptures, read, read books, listen to podcasts on it. Increase your awareness of what the gifts are, both in the scriptures but also in experience. How are these things defined? What's the difference between the gift of prophecy and the gift of teaching? Is there a difference or what is it? Well, educate yourself. Find out more and more about it. That's an important part. You can conduct, and many of you have, you can take an inventory or you can have a questionnaire. They have these. There's nearly half a dozen different ones where you have a whole series of questions, 100, 200 questions, and they'll ask you um, multiple times, uh, when I do this, you know, when I pray, I find God always answers my prayers. Yes, no. Um, And then you add up at the end of it, having answered your questions, and you'll come out with, these are the areas, these are the top three for you to look at for your spiritual gifts. They can be helpful sometimes. Um, I've had people do the questionnaires and they've come out and say, I don't have a spiritual gift. It happens. Because they're doing it themselves, you see, they're self-evaluating. Oh no, I'm no good at that. No, that doesn't happen. No, no, no. We once had a lady in a previous church, another lifetime, and she did a different one, did a very good one, a gift one. You can have an elimination list. Rick Lyon does this in his divine serving. You have a whole list of the gifts, you define it, and then it says, yes, I have that gift, maybe I have that gift, 
no, I don't have any problems. The no's are just as important because you're eliminating it. That's not my gift. That's not my gift. And you can go through, Helen was one woman who went through the list. And she came out with, no, 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 no. She was in a group of about 12 people who were doing this. So we stopped the class and I simply said to the people in the group, what do you think Helen's gift is? And they went around the group. And they all nailed it for her. She had an incredible gift of hospitality and a gift of compassion. She was outstanding at it. She couldn't see it herself. She just thought it was, you know, easy or normal or not important. But she greatly blessed the body by her gift as somebody beautiful to do as well. So eliminate from the list. No, I don't have that gift. I don't have the gift of music. Not a problem, but I ever have to worry about playing something or singing something in a church service. Not necessary. <clears throat> though, sometimes, you see, even though you don't have the gift, you have to do it. So sometimes, and some of you have been at it, either at a wedding or at a funeral, if there is nobody singing, then it's muggins, it's doing it. And do you know how many hundreds of people have been blessed by my voice on video? It's incredible. That's when I have the gift of healing to pray that God would remove all memory. You can eliminate from the list. That's all right. Explore and experiment. If you say maybe to something, have a go. Have a go. And find out, maybe I've got this. Or I don't. That's helpful. It's a process. And like a child learning to walk, so you'll stumble, you'll fall, you'll make mistakes. Don't give up. Just keep going. Number six, ask yourself this question. What do you enjoy doing? Because the chances are very high that the way God has shaped you, that the way he has gifted you, is going to be something that you will find satisfaction in, you'll find joy in, you'll find a sense of purpose. So ask that. What do I enjoy doing? I enjoy watching movies. That's not a spiritual gift. What do you enjoy serving? How do you enjoy doing that? Up front, behind the scenes. What has God been blessing in your life? How has God used you? Well, I remember I used to teach Sunday school and that went really well. I used to love that. Oh, maybe that's something you should reconsider again. Because the gift doesn't leave you. It changes, obviously, over time as we age and all other sorts of factors. But God doesn't remove the gifts. He can give you a gift for a season as well. Anyway, how has God been using you and blessing you? And then finally, what do others say? Remember Helen and the group, they affirmed what her gift was. What do others say? Affirmation. Here they all are again. Pray, study, take an inventory. And if you want to do that, just fill in the card, say, could I please do one of those inventories? And if we get enough of them, then we'll run a class on spiritual gifts. Um, eliminate, give it a go, try something. Um, what do you enjoy? What has God been blessing? And what do others, how do others affirm your ministry, your service? Who does God use? People who are wholeheartedly committed to him. You don't have to be multi-talented. You don't have to be super intelligent. You just have to be available to him and fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth. Why? to strengthen those that he finds who are fully committed to him. God wants to encourage us in following him, fully surrendered to him.
The Holy Spirit is with us to help us and he gives each one of us a spiritual gift to serve one another. What are you going to take away from this passage and from, from this morning's talk? Think about that. What has God been saying to you? What do you need to do about it? Use the communication card if you want to do something like a questionnaire or something. Just let us know or send us an email and we can arrange all of that for you. If you want some reading material on it, we can lend you some books. If you want to talk about it, we can have a cup of coffee together. If you would like someone to pray for you, then come forward at the end and our pastors and elders are here. They'll pray for you. Uh, parents don't forget that morning tea is on down at Hope House it's Krispy Kreme Donuts so that's where I God is calling me to go there <laughs> it's one of my gifts let's pray Heavenly Father we see how deeply you've been wanting and have been working in our lives all of the time Forgive us, Lord, for sometimes our inadequate response. And could you please continue to open our eyes and our ears to see and hear you at work. Lord, we want to do your will. So please make it known to us. And may our lives be increasingly a channel for you to bless those around us. Lord, help us to identify and to embrace to develop and to use the gifts that you have bestowed upon us, both for the growth and benefit of the church, but ultimately for your honour and glory. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. God bless everybody. Uh, have a great week uh, and follow through. What do you want to do about this talk?